All right, guys. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the first uh, Backspace podcast. I'm your host, Balraj, and today we're going to be joined by a special guest. He is um, going to be talking all things life, purpose, and Olympics. And today's guest is um, gold medal winning Commonwealth Games beach volleyballer Chris McHuge. Welcome. Uh, thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. Um, I, I feel honoured being your first uh, first guest. <laughs> well, I'm honoured to be having you as well, on as well. So I'm excited. I'm, uh, I thought this was a good time to catch you. You're coming back from uh, the Continental Cup in Thailand, where you guys performed really well. Yeah, no, it's uh, you know, Continental Cup was a couple of weeks ago now. Um, we're currently through the Australian quarantine process, so we're at day 11 today. But um, no, it was uh, content cut was a phenomenal experience for everybody, uh, and uh, it's even better when you come away with the win. No, that's a, that's a, we've been uh, following your journey step by step through that. So every game, every update, I was tuning into your Instagram like, can you update your page already? Can we see what the result was? So no, it was really great and congratulations on, on that process. Yeah, thanks. It was uh, Thailand was an interesting experience for everybody. Obviously, we were there for for two weeks with uh, the semi final one week and then the final the next. Um, it was a really uh, interesting experience from the fact that it was basically tight quarantine with an hour and a half of volleyball a day. Uh, we were locked in our room most of the day and uh, you get a phone call about 10 minutes before your training session that you're allowed to go down the elevator and, and out you go and onto the sand. So, um, look, the uh, the six guys that we took to uh, Thailand, uh, they really, we all really all combined really well to, to get the win for Australia in the... We'll play Davis Cup format, so best of three games and country v country. So the Continental Cup is probably the you know, the most unique event in beach volleyball in terms of it's the only time that you really play as a as a whole country. Uh, every other time you play Australia, you kind of trying to rip each other's heads off. So um, no, it's really something special. And, and you know, we Damo and I wouldn't be in the privileged position of going to our first Olympic Games without the efforts of the boys and Max and Zach who played really well. Uh, but also Tom and Paul and, you know, there's been a lot of people over the last five years who have contributed to our success um, over the years. No, that, that's exactly right. And I think it, it, Continental Cup brings it up into a team effort to really sum it up. And you had Max and um, Zach as well on the other side there um, getting the wins for you guys as well. And you um, had the coaching staff all with you guys as well. So no, that's, that's an awesome, awesome effort for the country. So I just wanted to kick off um, with yourself, Chris. Is uh, tell us a little bit about who Chris is outside of volleyball. Jeez, oh, uh, about myself. Uh, so I, uh, I was born on the south coast of New South Wales, uh, down in a small place called Pambula in the Bega Valley. Um, I was we grew up there till I was about eight, uh, and then we uh, we moved to the family moved to Adelaide, um, and from there, you know, I played. Played every sport under the sun, uh, hockey, baseball, soccer, um, pretty much everything. AFL I gave a crack at um, and I kind of just fell into volleyball. I started playing uh, spike zone when I was in year five, year four, year five, with a bunch of mates on a Wednesday arvo just to get out of clarinet lessons. Um, I don't have a musical artistic bone in my body. So uh, it, was a, it was a great way to, to escape that and I was lucky that there was a full group of guys with us that um, 
of them was lucky enough to be uh, the general manager of Volleyball SA at the time, Paul Finn. And, uh, you know, he he was like, you know, give beat, uh, Spike Zone a, a crack. And uh, as you know, Spike Zone's just sort of four four kids on a badminton court with a lower net. And um, it turns out we were pretty good at it and sort of progressed from there to, to playing six-a-side indoor. And then um, probably when I was under 15s, I think, maybe just had a bit of a crack at beach volleyball. Um, and, you know, from there progressed through the, the state system. I got picked in the, the third string um, indoor team and yeah. from there I was lucky enough to have a bit of a good tournament and got noticed and into the SASE system in 2005 to then um, the AIS and the national team in 2007. Um, and probably outside volleyball, um, my lovely wife, Danae, we've been married for going on six years now. Um, she's put up with me for that long, which is really good. Um <laughs> We have, uh, we have our son, Jack, who's going on two now, and we're expecting our next yeah. little one in October. So, well. Congratulations, Adela. Well. It's exciting. Yeah, thanks, mate. It's uh, it's turning out to be a big year for the McHugh house. Um, but, uh, yeah, besides my mum and dad, me and Greg, there's, I've got two sisters, Catherine and Elizabeth. Uh, I'm the, the middle child. Um, as they would say, I'm probably the golden child in the family, <laughs> being the only boy. Um, and... Uh, yeah, we, you know, pretty standard upbringing in Australia, uh, very middle class, uh, working. My mum's a teacher and my dad's a, a nurse, uh, midwife. So, um, yeah, I suppose they just worked really hard to be able to give me the opportunities that I've had in volleyball. And as everybody knows, being one of the, the smallest sports in Australia, it's a very user-pay system. So. I wouldn't be here um, today without them, and, and for that, I'm eternally grateful to them. No, that's amazing. That's amazing. So, in your family, um, who is it that, that was a sporty person, and where did you get it from? Were your sisters just as sporty as you, or how, how did it all go down in the McHugh household? Uh, look, mum and dad have always been pretty sporty, uh, especially growing up when they were younger, playing basketball, and uh, dad was a rower and played a bit of rugby. Um, I don't know, I think we were just always encouraged to, you know, being from the country, get out and, and experience the outdoors and, and be part of team sports. Um, I also did a bit of gymnastics, which is kind of funny now you look at it when you're, you're six foot six and trying to do somersaults. I, uh, I dropped myself on my head doing the parallel bars once and uh, I don't think I really recovered from that. So, But, you know, mum and dad... Uh, as well as my sisters, like they both played volleyball over their over their lifetime, and, and Catherine still plays a little bit now. Elizabeth sort of moved on to other things, but I think it's uh, it's probably a critical part of growing up in Australia that you play sport and really get out. You know, it's that sense of community. Um, Mum and dad are probably the uh, if you look at you look at any club sport in Australia, you've got the over-involved parents. Um, and that's probably my mum and dad to a T, you know, being the club president, the secretary, the the team manager. Um, there's a joke going around that the, the only way I could get away from my mum being the team manager was to make a national team and go overseas. Um, and even then, I think she still tried to be the old uh, chaperone on the first trip. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, look, it's really great to, to hear that you've had really supportive parents throughout the whole process here and um, I'm sure that contributed a, a large amount to your success to where you are right now as well. Oh, for sure. Uh, I don't think I'd be anywhere near I am where I am now without uh, the support of the family. So, yeah, yeah massive. So, 
at what stage did you have to pick between beach volleyball and indoor volleyball? Uh, I sort of had to make a choice. Uh, growing up, like playing when I was around 15, um, playing state league indoor and playing a bit of beaches at the same time. Um, got invited when I was 16, I think it was, at the end of the year to the Bendigo uh, Volleyball Australia camp uh, where they sort of picked the junior national teams for indoor. Um, and, yeah, after that, I had a pretty good, pretty good tournament. Uh, sorry, camp. And, yeah, had to make a decision going into year 12 in 2007 um, about going to, to Canberra or joining the beach volleyball program in Adelaide. Um, and it was probably at the end of the day a bit of an easier decision for me to, to go down the beach volleyball pathway purely because uh, Pambula is uh, probably about four and a half hours south of, of uh, Canberra. Um, so mum and dad had moved us to Adelaide for, for more opportunities in terms of university and studying and that sort of thing. So going back to to where we'd come from probably wasn't the uh, the right choice, but also I'm very lucky that Sassy is literally a kilometre and a half down the road um, from my school at the time in Year 12, so I could stay at home, study, do Year 12, and uh, do I go to the AIS at the same time. So... Um, and probably the other factor was I was the uh, probably the number seven in my age group in terms of uh, the age group that I was in was very strong. A majority of those guys ended up on the indoor team going to 2012 Olympics. Uh, you're talking like Tommy uh, Tommy Edgar, uh, John Decker, uh, Stringy, uh, those boys who were Hamish Hingston. Yeah. So I was probably the shorter one out of all of them, and um, I didn't really like the idea of sitting on the pine uh, too much. No, that's fair. I guess a lot of where you lived and the geographics of where the beach program is for Australia, being in Adelaide, made a lot of sense. Um, I guess now that with the national program for um, for junior athletes evolving, with um, them being asked to do uh, indoor volleyball and beach training um, concurrently with each other, what sort of advice would you give to, to these athletes when they go to make their choice on which one they want to go all in on? I don't uh, – I think it's a great thing that now uh, the Volleyball Australia Academy, uh, they're doing both, obviously, disciplines of the sport. Um, there is no negative to playing either. I mean, you play beach volleyball, you learn all the skills of the game. Uh, there's no – there's no hiding, um, and so there can only be positive things to then if you choose to go down the indoor pathway uh, that you can do all the skills rather than just being pigeonholed into one particular uh, position on the court where, you know, like, I don't know how many times Tommy Edgar's passed the ball in his life. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, like getting the the full breadth of the volleyball experience, whether it's, you know, beach volleyball, indoor, playing on the national tour. Um, I think it really makes, helps to make everybody make an informed decision. But also uh, I think now there's a lot more opportunity both indoor and on the beach than probably there ever has been in terms of uh, the world tour, uh, indoor contracts going and playing in Canada or the United States on college scholarships. Uh, and particularly for females as well, 
um, playing beach volleyball in the US, it's it's really growing massively, and it's a great way to set yourself up to have a a professional career in beach volleyball. Um, I think the the thing to keep in mind with beach volleyball is that Australia is just a small microcosm of beach volleyball in the world, and that way, even the national tour is nowhere near close to what the world tour is and the massive events that you can play and you know the prize money that you can win if you're really good i mean you only have to look at uh, maria fay and Talegra and the success that they've had over the last 12 uh, sorry sort of 36 months that they're making a really good living out of it and um it's not just that you have to go to indoor just to have a solid solid career okay that's really good to know i guess there is um, quite a few athletes that are at that crossroads or will be approaching that crossroads um, soon enough in their career that are going to need the advice of people who have gone through that pathway um, previously. So but that's that's really important. Now, you guys, you and Damo, um, your pairing, um, you guys were really successful in the Commonwealth Games, and um, there, was a, there was, I guess, a change of direction post that um, prior to you guys coming back together as a pairing. Um, I just wanted to understand those, and, and it's been since 2008 was the last Olympic Games that Australia men's beach volleyball went to. What um, what sort of challenges have you faced um, trying to qualify for the 2012 and 26 Olympic um, Games for Australia? Yeah, um, the obviously the men's uh, Australian men haven't been represented in the Olympic Games since 2008 so going on 13 years now which you know it's um, it's been too long <laughs> uh, but also um, beach volleyball is one of the the hardest sports to qualify for as well um, and we've missed out on qualifying twice obviously so far um, through the Continental Cup uh, in two, 2012 we got really close we lost in the, the golden match to Japan uh, that was Josh Slack and myself uh, and then you know the 2016 cycle with Cap Damo and Cordy um, we just probably just didn't handle the pressure well enough at home um, to, to make an impact that tournament and obviously this this time around we've, we've come home with the chocolates which has really been good um, the the Commonwealth Games for Damo and myself was a massive experience and, and something that's, you know, really special for both of us and will always be very special, being able to win a Commonwealth Games gold medal, the first one ever on uh, on home stand and in front of our families and, and the Australian volleyball public is something that um, I don't think anybody will really get to do again in our careers. Um, it's It's been such a long time since we've had a, a big event probably the next event is going to be 2032 hopefully um in brisbane for the olympics so the the road since then has been long and windy uh, you know we've had the covid break uh, we haven't played overseas for for the best part of probably 18 months um and we haven't been had that access to international competition either we've just been playing playing by ourselves on the national tour and you know beating each other up at training so it's uh, it's been yeah a windy road, you know. Personally, for myself, uh, post 2018, I've had five knee surgeries. Um, uh, I've had a baby. 
Um, you know, like life has changed significantly for me in the last sort of three years. Um, and, you know, due to that, I think I'm a vastly different player and a different person to who I was going into 2018. And, and hopefully that'll really hold us in good stead going into Tokyo and yeah. and post that. Um, the the team split that we, that happened... Um, you know, it was in the best interest of the volleyball, the men's program for us to try and qualify two two teams to Tokyo. Um, obviously, the best laid plans didn't really work out uh, with, you know, myself hardly being able to get on the court with my knee injuries, but uh, also just the results not going our way either. Um, and for Dana and myself to come back together and, I don't know, I think it just shows the, the chemistry that our team had that, the first tournament back was Asian Championships and, and we managed to, to win that and then back it up the next week in Cambodia. Sure, that it's not at the the highest standard of beach volleyball, but uh, still to get two good results in two weeks in some pretty uh, challenging conditions in Asia have uh, really showed how well Damo and I gel together and to then keep that going over the summer uh, and going undefeated on the national tour. Um, I don't know. It just found, it feels like things are things are in a good spot for our team, and um, we can't wait to, to put it out there at Tokyo. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I guess the synergy that you and Dan have, um, it's pretty clear. Um, I, I distinctly remember watching the winning moments of Commonwealth Game on, on TV, the gold medal match, and um, it's something, as you said, it's a once in a lifetime experience and once in a lifetime moment. The only sort of contrast to that particular moment I could put is uh, the 2000 uh, gold medal match for the women's um, when we won gold at Bondi Beach um, for the country. And that's the only distinction I can make between the two. It's probably going to be the closest ones in, in our sort of in your playing lifetimes that, that we're going to see that as well, right? Yeah, I mean, for us or for myself. Uh, you know, 2000 Olympics is still burnt into my memory. Um, I was 11 at the time, and I don't really remember what uh, the the beach volleyball too much. Uh, I know I've seen the, the highlights of the the match so many times, uh, but the whole Olympic experience. You know, Kathy Freeman lighting the flame, the opening ceremony, then uh, Kathy backing it up in the 400 meters for the win. Um, the guys in the pool dominating, like. It's uh, a big game as a spectacle as a, as a young kid in your home country is something that probably lights that fire within you to go, well, that's really cool, that's something I want to do. And, and in a couple of weeks, two weeks' time, it's something that Damon and I will get to do. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's really cool. you got uh, Paddy Mills and I think Kate Campbell being the flag bearers for Australia. How's that um, how's it fitting into... Uh, the opening ceremony, what's going to be happening in, in Tokyo this time around? Uh, to be honest, I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen with the uh, the opening ceremony. I feel like it'll just be the flag bearers who go and represent us all, um, but that's yet to be confirmed. Uh, I think we'll just have something back in the village for the rest of the athletes. Uh, you know, today the, the Tokyo uh, government, they've put out that there's going to be no spectators at all at this Olympics, so... It's going to be the one of the most unique Olympics ever uh, and something that I think everybody who's involved in will uh, remember for a very long time. Yeah. 
Now, before we dig into the Olympics a little bit more with you, um, I was keen to know, and I'm sure everybody listening and watching is keen to know a little bit about your your training routine, the preparation that you typically do as, as an elite athlete. So how about we start off with um, the nutrition side of things? Um, how do you usually uh, approach your nutrition and, and what's your relationship with food? Uh, look, I think it's... Uh you know, nutrition and uh, recovery, the, the two most important parts of being an athlete. Um, uh, I suppose my relationship with food over the years has changed. Uh, as I've got older, it's probably just the better understanding of what your body needs, uh, both to, to perform at your best, but also, you know, to recover and, and mentally. Uh, cover is probably also a massive part of it as well. Um, uh, you know, I think it's pretty simple keeping the processed foods to a minimum uh make sure you get lots of fruit and veg in uh and making sure that your your protein intake is enough to to satisfy what your body needs i mean everybody every athlete's different you, you know you, you only have to look from you know the difference between myself to Dama or the difference from myself to zach like we're different athletes uh, those guys can you know eat whatever they want they won't put on a put on a bit of uh, fat to save themselves where I'll probably look sideways at a chocolate bar and there's an extra kilo for me. So it's, um, it's horses for courses. Um, but for me, just trying to focus on lots of veg and, and getting that little bit of protein in, it's uh, that's the way. And, and, you know, it changes around competition and there's hyper competition as well, like the national tour where we play six to six to seven eight games in a weekend is like you know you're expending close to 1200 calories a game for for me as a serve blocker so keeping the energy intake high to really uh, fuel your games is is pretty cool um and you know on the lower days then you know don't eat so much it's uh and uh definitely stay away from the booze so um and you know a normal training week for us in adelaide is um we usually train Monday to Friday, maybe a Saturday session if we if we feel like we need it, uh, and that usually consists of three weight sessions: Monday, Wednesday, Friday in the morning for two hours, uh, and then we have in the afternoon. We'll on those days we'll have a sand session for an hour and a half, two hours, and then Tuesday, Thursdays are usually our double days on the sand. So either one skill session and then one gameplay session, or two individual sessions. Um, so we're probably on the sand for, I don't know, probably getting closer to 26 to 30 hours a week. Okay. Well, that's, that's really great. And with your strength program and your strength training and you being in the gym, I know um, at, with the beach program, you have Ben Haynes out there as well that works closely with you guys um, from the SNC part of things. Um, how, how do you usually approach your strength training and, um, and everything around that? Yeah, look, we got uh, Benny in Adelaide from the. He's working with us in the South Australian Sports Institute. Um, he, I put a lot of faith in Benny. You have to. Uh, you have to put a lot of faith in your strength and conditioning coach that they uh, they understand you and your needs and and be able to combine that with their knowledge. And his knowledge is pretty vast and varied. So, um, look for me. Uh, the strength and conditioning component is different. Uh, obviously I've been in the gym since I was 16, 15, 16 so my training base is quite uh, quite large and 
as always, it's it's always horses for courses. So um, with me trying to focus a lot on unilateral strength um, and then combining that to then when I do do, um, you know, the power exercises, your cleans, snatches, uh, and getting into the more power-specific stuff, uh, just focusing on the speed aspect of things um, and not getting too too bulky, which at times I can get if I uh, if I do too much upper body, especially. We've seen that you've got a pretty big rig, <laughs> and you like to move some weight there. So, no, that's really interesting as well. I guess uh, from that power point of view, and and, um, and really transitioning that into gameplay, have you felt like you've gone through training blocks where you can definitely feel those gains in the gym on the sand? Yeah, look, I think there's been periods of time where uh, I've got too heavy, uh, sort of playing above um, 104, 105, um, where that sort of sweet spot for me is to be around that 100 kilo mark. Uh, um, and definitely there's, you know, uh, there's periods of time where you get into that sweet spot of where the load is you've gone through the hard stuff and then you get the the good end of a month or and a half or so where every, the load sort of drops off a bit and you're playing a lot and you can really you feel yourself really going and um what it takes to get to that point is different for everybody and and for me it's uh, i respond a lot to the uh, the contrasting weight so you know, doing doing a squat with 150 kilos and then going to doing a couple of quick jumps afterwards and really getting the, the body firing, the neural patterns going. So, um, and we truck that back in the gym on the force plate. Um, but uh, I can probably safely say that I'm in a, in a pretty decent spot at the moment. You're in a good spot. And for anybody watching, uh, what would you say that your, uh, your vertical jump would be at this particular point in time going into the Olympics? I haven't uh, measured it for a while, to be honest. Uh, I think my sort of standing counter movement jump sits around the sort of, uh, 53 centimetres, uh, and then my spike jump will probably touch about 347. So, Getting up there, mate, getting up there for sure. <laughs> um, now, just moving to some more questions around the Olympics and, and how that goes. Like, this is something that I've been – this is a curious question for my part. The question is – the Olympic rings tattoo. Where are you going to get them tattooed? Um, I'm not sure, to be honest. It's been a bit of a conversation. Um, it's uh, there's been there's been six Australian men before Damo and myself qualify for the Olympic Games, and there's only one that has the Olympic rings, and that's Matt Grinlobs. Oh, really? Um, okay. So it's. Uh, I think it's whether we want to start our own little club with Matt, Matt Grinlobs or uh, we, you know keep it keep it with the the majority. But I don't know. I haven't really thought about it too much. Uh, and if I do get it, it will be in a pretty inconspicuous place. <laughs> I'm not, uh, as you know, mate. I'm not one for big shows, and, you know, and definitely not one to talk myself up. So it'll be uh, it'll be little, and it'll be somewhere else that has a lot of meaning to myself. Awesome, awesome. Well, um, well, I guess I'm rooting for that you get it at some point. I'm not a big tattoos person, so it's just something about the rings. All right, Chris, so you're on your way to um, Japan, Tokyo. What is the process to get there now? Uh, so we get out of quarantine uh, in a couple of days. So we're on day 11. 
and then we have a couple of days of training up here in Brisbane before we leave for Tokyo. Um, we'll probably have, have about a week uh, in Tokyo to train and get ready to play. Uh, we'll either, the draw is supposed to come out on the 13th, so a couple of days' time, and then we'll know for sure. We'll either start on the 24th or the 25th. Um, the getting to Tokyo, we, we fly out of Cairns, we pick up some of the swimmers and then head to Tokyo on arrival. We'll get a PCR test. Uh, which you have to wait in the airport until you uh, test negative. From there, you get taken to the um, to the village and get your accreditation and outfitting and, and all of that. So that's probably expected to take about six hours total. Um, and from there, every day, we get a PCR test in the morning uh, and then you're sort of free to go about your business. But the, uh, the, the AOC is recommending that we kind of stay by ourselves and... The only time that uh, you're allowed to sort of go anywhere really is uh, for training and, and for competition. Every other time you sort of you're advised to stay in the Australian building and, and wear masks at all times. Okay. And now obviously it's gonna be a different experience in the Olympic Village this year. Um, now what are you expecting at the Olympic Village? Is do you think everybody's gonna stick by the rules and stay by themselves or do you think they're gonna ride on everybody's energy and, and momentum? Uh, look, I think it's uh, – there's no uh, – everybody's going to try and be as COVID safe, as safe as they can. Uh, of course, every country has had different experiences with COVID. Um, and in Australia, we've been extremely lucky so far. Uh, what we need to be careful of is if you do catch COVID you know, while you're in, in Tokyo or even before Tokyo Olympics is over, um, and so, you know, I, I expect everybody to be pretty on the ball with with uh, socially distancing and, and wearing masks and uh, we'll be, Dave and I will yeah. be no different. Now, the draw hasn't come out for the men's competition in terms of your schedule, I should say, but the pools have been announced um, and you're in Pool A. You've got the um, Spanish team there, you've got a Russian team and, and you've got the number one seeded Norwegian team as well in your pool. And... Um, what are your thoughts on, on the teams in your pool? Oh, look, I think uh, it doesn't matter what pool you're in at the Olympic Games. It's it's the Olympic Games. The, the best teams in the world are there. And, and, you know, we've been lucky enough to draw draw Norway, who has been the number one team for the last couple of years in the world. And, you know, Damo and I, are, you always want to play the best teams in the world on the biggest stage. And there's no bigger stage in beach volleyball than, beach, than the Olympic Games. So... We're super pumped to uh, to have a crack at at the at Norway, and you know um, I'm sure everybody in our pool, whether it's Russia or Spain, are, are raring to go. Um, Damo and I are the lowest seed in the pool, so there's probably uh, not as much expected of us as maybe other teams in the pool. So we uh, we just want to get out there and yeah. play our game, and you know see how it matches up with the best have teams you, in the world. Have you lost any of the other three teams before? Uh, I haven't played Norway or Russia, uh, and I've played Spain uh, probably three years ago now. So there's not really uh, there's not really much recent form to go on, uh, and you know it's anything can happen on the day. We just got to keep putting yeah. our best foot forward. Now, obviously, with the three teams there in your pool, there would be a lot of bit, a lot of scouting going on and understanding gameplay and strategy. How does what what does scouting look like for? Um, for an elite athlete, and what do you and your coaches usually 
so for us, it's very much just looking at video, uh, video of the games that are, are going to happen uh, in our pool. So, you know, we'll play Norway and then Spain and Russia will play uh on the same day as us so getting video of that game but then also having some video over the last couple of years of each of those teams playing um and just understanding you know the tendencies of each player where they like to go uh, and when they like to go there um you know the the tactics of beach volleyball um they're only really worth one or two points a set um but you just got to make sure that they're the, the important points in the set so um, just understand, we'll watch a lot of video of them and, and get a good understanding, but, you know, Damon and I try and focus a lot more on what, on our side of the game and, and what we can do and how we're going to prepare our best yeah, to play our best. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, I, I was also scouting out the the, the venue for um, Beach Volleyball with an app, and when I did a Google search, it came up with um, the park's name, Shikos Park. I hope I'm saying it anywhere as close. Hey, you, you have about as much idea about saying as, um, it. it looks like it's a big park. It's uh, green green grass everywhere. And I'm assuming they're going to drop uh, a beach volleyball set up into there with sand um, being brought in. Um, my question was really around the sand quality. And does the sand quality affect uh, game conditions and strategy? Uh, to be honest, uh, they so they ran the test event there a couple of years, like two years ago. Damo played there. I didn't. I uh, that was part of my sort of rehab at the time. Um, he sort of. I, I'm not expecting the sand to be, you know, it's going to be no deeper really than playing at Manly or you know up on the Gold Coast. I don't think. Um, but you don't know until you get there. Uh, as in terms of the conditions, we know it's going to be hot. It's going to be humid. Um, maybe the if the heart the sand was a bit harder like it was in Thailand, then you play a slightly different game style to what you do in the deeper sand. But uh, I think overall, uh, the quality of players and their athletic abilities will uh, probably overcome most of the the differences in the sand. So uh, I'm not expecting things to change too much. That's, that's good to know. Good to know. Well, I guess you're going to find out when you get there really soon on, on what to do. Is there training days in the lead up to, to that or is it straight on competition? No, so we'll have about six days of training before uh, and acclimatisation before we get to step on the court for uh, the oh, head of the battle. Good, that's good. I'm glad they're going to give you a bit of, bit of uh, practice on the courts before you get there. Um, now, we usually finish off, uh, well, we don't usually, well, we are today. We're going to finish off, uh, I guess, the, the interview with uh, Fast Fire Final Five questions. So you can answer in one okay. word, one sentence. Um, or for one paragraph, we'll, we'll let you go and see what, where it goes, okay? So the first one is, um, what is the best bit of advice you've ever received? Best bit of advice? Uh, be yourself because there's no one else. Awesome, I like that. Now, what is the worst bit of advice you've ever received? Girls get the girls. girls, get the girls. <laughs> nice. I was looking for a boys, boys, boys uh, locker room type of advice. This is that's right off that alley. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, if you were to be your, if you were to able to have a chat to the eighteen-year-old you, um, what would one bit of advice be that you'd give? Uh, 
trust the process and don't be such goody two shoes. Nice, nice, nice. Um, and if you could create one new law in the world that everybody had to follow, what would the one law be? Don't be a dick. <laughs> All right, straight up, just in big capital letters, huh? <laughs> All right, the world would be a much better place. And is there anything else that I haven't asked you but you really wanted to share or um, with the rest of the audience at all? No, I mean, uh, you know, beach volleyball is such a community and Damo and I, uh, we wouldn't have got to the places that we've been with everybody's support and the sponsor's support over the, tour, over the national tour. I mean, yourself coming to national tour events and, and fixing our broken bodies over the, over the last couple of years, mate, like it's uh, Damo and I are not only representing ourselves, but we're representing the whole beach volleyball community and, and volleyball community at large. So couldn't thank everybody enough for their support over the years and uh, hopefully we do you proud. Look, it's been a privilege to be a part of um, a small, very small part of your journey um, over the last couple of years. But it's uh, from everybody here in, in uh, Sydney and in Australia, we congratulate you on your achievement and we're going to be right behind you for um, this Olympic Games. And we know you're going to do us proud and you're going to fight um, every, everything you've got in your body to uh, do the best for the nation. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. The best, it. and thank you for uh, joining us on today's show. No worries, anytime.